0: you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8. Last week I I shared with you about a miracle that I'd witnessed. Uh, I saw that thing with my very own eyes. Uh, It's still just as real today and I'm still just as amazed as I was when I shared it with you. Uh, Last week still don't know how to put it into words and don't fully understand and I will say this. I don't believe God's given me some special power. Um, after, rece- after telling that story last week, this week I received two phone calls. Uh, people want me to come pray with them so they'd be uh, healed. I believe God can, but God don't listen to me. He does what he wants to, when he wants to, and how he wants to. Uh, you could tell by the way they were asking. That's what they were doing. God doesn't work uh, like that. Uh, this week, I believe God showed me a few things about that. Remember, I said it was going to be a process of working through uh, what he uh, wanted us to do, his people uh, will that uh, to do with that. I, I know it's God, not always God's will to heal a, per, a person physically. I do know that the Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all men would come to repentance. So it's God's will that everyone would be saved. That's... Uh, made well and uh, known very well in scripture. Um, A person can pray and truly have faith and uh, God still doesn't choose to heal them physically but God always heals spiritually to those who will call on him uh, in faith. One of the most taken out of context and misused passages in the Bible is Isaiah 53, five. You know the passage of scripture, by his stripes we are healed. Uh, First Peter chapter number two, verse 24, by his stripes we're healed. And, And clearly, in looking at those passages in context, both Isaiah, when he wrote, and Peter, when he wrote about what Isaiah had wrote, was clearly talking about sin, and the consequences of sin, and that through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, we were healed from that sickness called sin, not necessarily Physical sickness. Uh, I've told you many times the story about Faith Smith. Uh, Little girl, Brian Smith's daughter, just an amazing, well, she's a woman now, amazing, you know, born with that awful um, disease, you know, can't walk and can't control her muscles and all of those things. But what a blessing Faith has been uh, over her life show God's love and his grace and his mercy and his power to help us overcome adversity Uh, if God would have healed her those things would have never been able to take place and lives, countless numbers of lives would have never uh, been uh, touched so I understand all of those things about God's uh, healing I understand today, like I said last week more than ever uh, that God can and God does heal. That brings us to the message today. Now, uh, I don't normally share my opinion from the pulpit without giving you scripture to back it up, but I'm going to do that now. I did not witness or see the greatest miracle going on in the world today last week, not even close. You see, the greatest miracle going on in the world today is the supernatural miracle of salvation where a dead person becomes an alive person where a heart that is black and cursed and in rebellion against God is miraculously changed and the Lord Jesus Christ himself comes and lives through that person. That's the greatest miracle going on in the world today. And listen, We can all be a part of that miracle that's going on in the world today. God has called each of us to be miracle workers in the world in which we're living today. We're gonna read about that in Acts chapter eight, verse 26. The Bible records these words. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, read Esaias or Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and Heard him read the prophet Esaias and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, Except, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, Isaiah 53 7, and like a lamb dumb before his shear. So he opened, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away and who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest the prophet this? Of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, here's the key, here's the key, and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they uh, down both went down both, into the water both Philip and the eunuch and he baptized him and when they were come up out of the water the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus and passing through he just kept on doing what he had been doing. He preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea let's pray Father in Jesus name we've read your word and God I pray that you'd take the truth of this word and drive it with a hammer down deep in our heart so that God when we leave this place today we would truly be different than when we came in Jesus name Amen Amen As a preacher, you can't uh, help but read these articles and different things from supposedly great men and people um, about church growth strategies. But I believe God showed me something this week and I believe it's this, that he don't really care about Zion Baptist Church's growth. What he cares about is the growth of his kingdom. Now do we grow in that process? Yes we do. And praise God for it. But God is more concerned about us making disciples than he is filling the pews of this church and we do that by evangelism. What is evangelism? Well, Preacher Parker gave us good examples I've ever heard sharing the gospel and the uh, power of the Holy Spirit with those who are around us and leaving the results up to God. It's simply that, sharing the good news of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. Part of that process then is also becoming disciple makers where we then train those people and live life with those people and teach those people so that what was a reality instantly in their spirit becomes a reality progressively in the life in which they live. There were several methods of evangelism in the Bible, uh, life of the early church, the book of Acts, 35 years roughly there that it covers. There's preaching evangelism, teaching evangelism, house to house evangelism, literary writing evangelism, and then there was personal evangelism. And and I believe as we uh, live our life, listen, I'm never gonna be Billy Graham, I understand Uh, He preached to 14, I believe it was, if I got that number right. Don't, don't, wrong, don't kill me over it. But it was millions of people in Korea at one time. Most of us are never gonna get there, never gonna be there. But what we can do, every single one of us, is be part of that miracle of personal evangelism where as we go, those people that God places in front of us, that we share the gospel with them in the power of the Holy Spirit, leaving the results up to God, and then we can stand back and watch God work. And every single one of us in this room can be a part of that strategy in our text. Today that we read, we've got everything that's needed for the salvation of a person. The lost person, the Christian, the word of God, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So this morning as we think about that thought, the miracle, the greatest miracle in all the world of seeing souls being saved, the miracle of personal evangelism, uh, I want to look this morning at four essential parts of that miracle. Uh, sharing the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. And let's see if we can learn something that'll help us today. Number one, we see a searching sinner. If you look there in your Bible, uh, Acts chapter number eight, uh, right there in verse 26, and and then on down into verse number 27, the Bible says, and he arose and went, speaking to Philip, and behold, a man of Ethiopia and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure. So he, he, he kept up with all the money. He was in control of that. He was the steward of that for her. She had came to Jerusalem for to worship and he was just along for the ride. He was returning and sitting in his chariot Reading Assyes or uh, uh, Isaiah the prophet. So we see a searching sinner. I mean, he's been to Jerusalem. He's probably saw the early church there and he probably saw some people being baptized. How do we know? Because later on he says, What doth hinder me from being baptized? He may have seen them going around telling people about Jesus. I don't know what all he saw. But one thing I do know is that something pricked his heart to open up The word of God that they had at that time, they only had the Old Testament, they didn't have the New Testament, but I'm gonna tell you something, brother, Jesus is right there in the middle of the Old Testament, just like he is in the New Testament, and he opened that up and he began to read, but he did not quite understand what he was reading. As a matter of fact, he did not quite understand what he really needed. So it took someone, but we find a searching sinner. I wanna tell you something, church. You don't have to go to a stadium over there in Korea and have the name of the late, great Billy Graham and have millions of people come into that stadium so that they have to put speakers and microphones and all of these big sound systems in there for them to hear you, to run into people and to see people and to come into contact with people that are searching for something and they may not even know what it is. They don't know where to look But there's lost people out there everywhere we go that are searching for something and it's up to me and you to tell them what they're searching for and how to find it. So we see in this passage of scripture a searching (coughs) sinner. Now you stop and you look. This man was, uh, Shane, can you run and get me some water? Uh, (coughs) This man, excuse me, was the treasurer for the queen of Ethiopia. He had a lot of money at his disposal. No doubt this man had a lot of authority at his disposal. I mean, looking from the outside in, the world would say he had it going on. I mean, he's traveling with the queen of Ethiopia and he's carrying all the money. We run into people every single day from the outside looking in. It looks like they've got it going on. I mean, they may live in a fine house and drive fine cars and wear nice clothes and have a good looking family and all of those things that the world says mean success. But Jesus said these little words in the New Testament, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and dies and loses his own life? So, my friends you and I come into contact with those people every single day of our life and I'm afraid that in the world in which we live we forget that God has called each one of us to take part in that miracle called personal evangelism so what do we do well we pay the preacher and expect him to do the job but that's not God's plan As a matter of fact, his plan is for you to pay the preacher so that he'll teach you how to do the job. Amen and amen. And then for you to get up and go out there and do it. So I'm a banker, I'm not a preacher. Well, there's people down at the bank that need to hear the gospel. Oh, good gracious. God wanted to drive that point home. Hey, I'm a truck driver. I'm not a preacher. I'm going to tell you, you stop at them truck stops along the interstate, there's a lot of people in there that are searching centers that are looking for something and they don't even know what it is they're looking for and I'll never come into contact with those people. Oh, God called me to be a teacher and we got that separation of church and state thing. You throw that separation of church and state thing right out the window. That's not in our constitution. You share the gospel down at that schoolhouse because there's people that need to hear everywhere we go we have run into sinners that need a savior and the only way they're going to hear is if we tell them and I'm going to tell you what I, I would not want somebody to die and go to hell God had given me the opportunity to tell them and they did not hear God brought that all together you know the story in the Bible about old Zacchaeus don't you uh, this one especially rings true with me old Zacchaeus was a short man <coughs> don't nobody be putting no milk crates behind the pulpit again thank you Miss Shane alright uh, Zacchaeus was a short little feller so he couldn't see Jesus right and in the crowd kind of like me you get Stephen in front of me I either got to go around him or get up on something tall cause I can't see <laughs> But you know, long before Zacchaeus was even born, there was a little sycamore seed that fell in the ground along that way that Jesus would be passing sometime in the future. Well, lo and behold, one day Jesus come walking by and Zacchaeus couldn't see him for the crowd. Well, God knew that Zacchaeus was going to be short before he was ever born, just like he knew I was. But he knew old Zacchaeus could climb a sycamore tree. Zacchaeus, the sycamore tree, and Jesus come together at that moment in time and we see a miracle take place. As this sinner that's searching for something. He don't even know what it is. Climbs up that tree and for the first time in his life he can see Jesus clearly my friends, God has called you and I to be sycamore trees and he's placed you and planted you and put you in the place that he wants us to be so that we can lead people to see Jesus clearly so the first essential part of that miracle of evangelism is just a sinner searching for something we don't have to look too hard for those You know, even the good news about that is this. In a sense, out of those four essentials for the miracle of salvation to take place, you and I are only responsible for one of them. God's responsible for the other three. He puts the sinners in our path. We're responsible for this next part because not only do we see that sinner searching for something, We see a submissive servant that's willing to do something about it. That's where you and I come into play. You see, the Bible says right here, now listen to this, I think it's very, very key. Uh, We we looked there in verse 25, and uh, Philip had been in an evangelistic meeting, a revival service up there in Jerusalem. Verse 25, and when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, Lord, they returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages, Uh, of the Samaritans now listen to this and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip saying arise and go toward the south under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza which is desert now listen to this and he arose and went God said do it surprise surprise and Philip done it a servant who's willing to be submissive to the will of God and do what God had said. He was obedient. What's it take for you and I to see this miracle take place? Simply be obedient to what God has told us to do. He said tell it. (coughs) Tell it everywhere we go. Tell it on the rooftops. Tell it down in the street. Tell it at work. Tell it at home. Tell it in the good times, tell it in the bad times. We're simply be obedient to what God has told us to do to be a submissive servant. Well, now being submissive ain't something that's very popular in our world today. It's my life and I'm going to live it. Well, that's not what the book says. It's His life and I'm to live it for Him and for His glory. I think about this. Y'all need to smile. You know, uh, y'all know about that old dog that showed up at the house I told this at the funeral yesterday (coughs) I'm going to tell you what I fell in love with that thing and uh, he's fell in love with me too by the way somebody loves me (laughs) but you know what I can walk up to that old dog and I can walk up to him like I'm going to beat him to death or I can walk up to him with a cookie in my hand or something in between and you know what he does he just rolls over on his belly and throws everything wide open and says here I am here I am you see though he's probably mistaken he trusts me that much cause I'm telling y'all it takes one quick quick but he trusts me that much. Well, you see, that's what it means though to be submissive. That we're to simply open up our lives and say, God, here it is, I'm gonna lay it bare before you. You can stomp it, you can use it, you can uh, do good or whatever you wanna do, it's yours, do with it as you please. Now, let's stop and ask ourselves, about to get rough up in here. How many of us really do that with our lives? Where we say, God, here it is, use it however you want for your glory. And I'm going to lay that thing open and roll over on my back like old Cooper does and say, However it goes, God, it's yours. Do with it how you want. You see, to take part in that miracle of personal evangelism, we've got to be a submissive servant that's willing to go and do and trust God with whatever he says. So not only do we see that searching sinner, we see a submissive servant, but thank God we see a sympathetic savior. Look what the Bible says right there in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south. He spoke to Philip. Look down at verse number 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. You see, God knew where that eunuch was gonna be and he divinely orchestrated that thing so that Philip and the eunuch would come together at just the right time so that that eunuch could be, hear the good news of the gospel and be born again and that miracle would take place. You see, I'm not responsible for that part. You're not responsible. As a matter of fact, as responsibility goes, God has already done everything needed so that we can fulfill our responsibility of being a submissive servant. You see, sometime around 2,000 years ago, the Bible says it was at the, in the fullness of time. It was at the perfect time. It was a, as all of history and all we've read about in the book of Genesis worked itself out that there was a person that lived upon this earth. Now, he wasn't a normal person. He wasn't born in a normal way. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he was God in the flesh. He came through the womb of a virgin. There was no sexual act that took place to bring about his birth. God himself, God the Father, planted Jesus the Son in the womb of this little girl called Mary. Well, she had a normal birth just like every other delivery is and Jesus was born, but because he didn't have the human, a human father, he had never been tainted and touched by this thing called sin that you and I are cursed by. He lived a perfect and sin-free life in total obedience to the father he lived his life but there came a time in his life when the purpose of his life was supposed to be fulfilled and that purpose of his life was you know the story he went up a hill called calvary and they nailed him to a cross now what happened on that cross well since the beginning of time god is angry over sin as a matter of fact his anger is righteous and holy and and and, and We must pay for that sin because it's an offense and affront against a, a holy God. Well, what took place on that hill when Jesus, God the Son, was on that cross that God himself poured out his anger for my sin, your sin, upon his Son so that there is no anger left for me and you if we'll simply receive the gift that was offered to us through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Now, Stop and think about that, what kind of love is that? The Bible says no greater love is a man known than someone who laid down his life for a friend. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did. He laid down his life, took the punishment of my sin, your sin, the sin of the world upon himself. My friends, that's a sympathetic Savior right there who loves us. And I say all that to say this, everything needed for a person to experience that miracle of personal evangelism for you and I to be miracle workers in the world in which we live has already been done. So we see a savior that's sympathetic to the suffering of men, done something about it, directed Philip to go to this Ethiopian who he knew was searching for something that he didn't even know quite what it was and the two came together together At the exact right moment. And then lastly, we see a spectacular salvation take place. Look what the Bible says here in verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believe with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Pow! A miracle took place whereby a sinner died and a saint was born. This eunuch died unto himself And Jesus took up residence in his heart and in his life and began to live the life of Christ through this Ethiopian eunuch. And my friends, that is a spectacular salvation. That is a miracle. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things, not some things, not most things, but all things have become new. And that's the greatest miracle going on in this world today. And thank God, just like Philip, he gives us the opportunity to take part in that miracle and bring God glory in it and through it. A spectacular salvation. That is amazing. So don't you, don't you, don't you get caught up in something about some person laying in a hospital bed. I don't care if their pulse is stopped and they can't find a heartbeat. God lifts that person up off the bed. I'm gonna praise him for that. That is a miracle when I see that. But the greatest miracle going on in the world today that we can all take part in is to see a sinner come to repentance and a child of God born into the family of God. You say, Keith, Keith, you just don't understand, no I don't understand and I don't want to, I do understand this, every living being every living being that is healthy reproduces every living being that is healthy reproduces so if you take an apple tree and that apple tree is healthy for long you're going to have little apple trees and them things is going to grow up, you take an old dog muck, purebred, don't matter if he's healthy, guess what they're going to do, they're going to get together and they're going to reproduce. So the question this morning that we've got to ask ourselves we've seen the four essential elements of the miracle of salvation. We've got to ask ourselves, am I healthy? Because if you're not reproducing then you're not healthy. And something needs to be done about it. God will give us the power to do it but we've got to be that submissive servant that's willing to do it. I'm going to close with this. <coughs> Maybe God's doing this because he didn't mean me not to holler so much. I don't know. Shane over here nodding her head. <coughs> God showed me so much this last week. Preacher Ralph, I don't know. It's so much I almost can't take it in. I've been a Christian now for 24 years, September the (laughs) 16th. So there's a lot going on. Uh, I think this fall, church, because I believe it's going to take some planning, some praying, Maybe even some fasting. Oh, preacher, you ain't asking us to give up something, are you? No, God is <laughs> uh, We need to have an evangelism revival. Uh, don't exactly know what that's going to look like this week. I'm just sure of one thing. God said, I want you to have an evangelism revival. Uh, he'll work out all the details on that. Uh, I promise you I'll do my best in the next week or two to give you the details and we'll get a stamp a lockdown on the date on what that is going to be uh, give you plenty enough time to prepare work out your work schedules uh, I'd say this we ought to count the people that's in here this morning and when that thing comes we ought to have at least that many every night at least If we give ourselves time to prepare and get ready, I want to close this morning by asking you three questions, and I promise then I'll be done. What would have happened if old Philip hadn't gone down to Gaza? What would have happened if he'd have said, Well, God, I'll go, but let me do it later when I ain't so busy. God's gonna put somebody in your path. Uh, The third question is this. Will you be their fillet? be that submissive servant so that we can experience that miracle called salvation. Their eternal destiny depends on how we answer that question. three parts is up to God but that one's all on me if you've not been doing that why don't you just make the decision this morning and say God I want to be a healthy Christian that shares my faith and reproduces I, I don't understand why anybody wouldn't want to be that person I can promise you this greatest thrill in my life is when I've been able to lead somebody to the Lord and see them come to faith in Christ. Maybe not as dramatic preachers seeing a person that's dying get up off the bed. But I'm going to tell you what, in its way it's probably more powerful. At least in my life. You get to watch that person begin to grow. Man, I would want to be a part of that greatest miracle in all the world a miracle of personal evangelist let's pray Father we love you God we're thankful that your word both convicts and guides God I pray that you take the truth of your word this morning and convict and guide God, there may be somebody here this morning, the gospel in its own way has been presented uh, that needs to do what the eunuch did and say, what doth hinder me from being baptized? God, I pray that you'd lead that person to step out in courage and faith and come down here and say, preacher, I want to be saved. Just like the Ethiopian did, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Lord, I know there's many in here. They're not sharing their faith. God, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you came so that sick people could be made well. That, Father, you'd lead them to get well today and make that decision that from this day forward, I am gonna be a personal soul winner and evangelist a miracle worker in this world in which we live work all that out father we pray in Jesus name amen I'm going to ask you to stand at this time you've already heard the invitation if you're here this morning and you want to see miracles take place I believe all you got to do is come down here and say Lord I'm willing to be obedient I want to see miracles take place in my life and come if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus is Savior, you come. Don't you leave this place. He divinely brought you here this morning just like He did Philip and that eunuch so that He could be saved. God brought you here for the same reason. Uh, whatever it is, don't you leave here, please, without doing business with God. You come. All hearts and minds clear. Let's go sow some seeds. And reproduce for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you don't leave us clueless. But God, we can open up the word and see what thus saith the Lord any time we choose.